It's good to be in God's house. And sometimes you just don't really know that until you're not able to be there a lot. And I, I, think, I think many of you know I'm gone probably 270 to 300 days a year. And uh, just to be here this morning is such a blessing. So if you will, let's pray right quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the people herein. And we ask, Father, this morning that you bless us, that the Holy Spirit of God descend upon this place as a dove and aspire everyone here, Lord, to receive your blessings, receive your spirit, to receive those things that you have in store for us each and every day, some we don't expect. Lord, love us. Help us to love you and help us to behave in ways that are pleasing to you, always pleasing in thy sight, and always searching for salvation, Lord, so that we may serve you and bring others into the kingdom of heaven. I pray this prayer in the strong name of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, uh, I have absolutely no idea why I was chosen to do this. Uh, there are so many great men in this church, uh, so many men that have had such a great influence on me. Randall, where are you? James Chambly, so many great men. Ray Guthrie, of course, Pastor and Don. I have no idea why I was chosen to do this, and I have a feeling in a couple of minutes you're all going to be feeling the same way. <laughs> I had to get that out. So I guess I should really start. Uh, Cheryl, if you will, pull that up for me. We're, we're going we're to talk about Matthew 22 this morning. We're going to talk about trials this morning. We're going to talk about, Pastor has been speaking to you in the past on trials and issues in your life profound impact upon me um, speaking directly into my heart so um, I guess I should tell you um, where are you Cheryl all right so we'll start with uh, Matthew 22 and I'm going to read this first this particular segment starts with verse 34, and it's the great commandment. Um, but when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. And one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Anybody here ever been tested? Speaks to me. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy mind, with all thy soul. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. That is amazing. Now, my inspiration for choosing this this morning to speak to you about it was, as many of you, we all watch the news, we travel, we, we're all over, we see so many things, and, and I know you, like me, are really concerned about our country, the divisiveness in our country. And so I, I thought about that, and as Don calls me, you know, I'm literally a thousand miles from here when you call me. And I thought, what in the world could I say on behalf of the Lord that might help? I mean, if, if Christ had an opportunity to come back and say something to this country, you know, what might it be? I prayed on that. I meditated on that. And there's so much material there that I, I, I really just didn't know. And I was working one day at Fort Devens. And this just kind of came to me. I thought Christ might just say, he might just keep it simple. He might just say to you, you know, here they are right here. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, and love each other. So that's why I, I chose this message, and, and before... Before I spoke anything else about it, I wanted you to know why I chose it. We've become a divisive nature. 
and a house divided against itself will not stand. Somebody say amen. I'm troubled about it. I know you are. And so I chose this this morning. This is what I believe the Lord spoke to me about. He may not tell you the same thing, but I think the question is important. What are we going to do about this divisive nation? We are all God's children. Yes? So, as a wise man once told me, before you talk about scripture, you better talk about the context. So the first thing I want to do is really, I, I do, I want to discuss the context of this a little bit. Um, so I hope you all have your tablets and your Bibles and your phones open uh, to Matthew because what I'm going to do is I'd like to go through Matthew and I'm not going to, I started with the scripture that inspired me, but I want to go back to Matthew to, to, to the first and go right through it and explain to you why I think it's absolutely pertinent to what, what my inspiration was about. So the context of this thing is Christ is... He's, he's on trial here. He's got the Sadducees, the Pharisees, he's got the Herodians all standing there questioning him. Even the, the people of Israel are questioning him. They're expecting David. They're expecting this great warrior. So he, here, he, here is Christ standing there literally being tested. And he starts, this, this particular chapter is about the parable of the marriage feast. Do you know what a parable is? We all know Christ taught with parables, but here's what Miriam Webster says. A parable is a short story that illustrates a moral attitude, religious principle, or some truth. Wow. So let's start. Now I'm in the King James Version. Some of you may have different versions. But we're going to start here with, with, with the first verse. Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it, and they went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise or his business, and, and the remnant, the rest of them, took his servants and entreated them spitefully, treated them poorly. And, he, and they slew them, thinking about the slaying of the prophets a little maybe. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth or angry and went forth, sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. So if you, if you look at this scripture and you, let's first talk about the kingdom of heaven. Now the great scholars, the guy that really knows the Bible, not guys like me, they tell me that the kingdom of heaven here, we're talking about the church in the church age, that's you, that's me. That is the church from the time Jesus ascended into heaven until right now, until he comes back. That's pretty amazing, folks. Now, also in this thing, it's talking about obviously the king is God, the son is Jesus Christ. But what is this marriage? What does it symbolize? The great Bible thinkers say that he's talking about salvation. A union with Christ. Let that sink in a minute. What is the business of the church, what is our business as Christians? There are a lot of empty seats in this church. Why? 
What is salvation? Is it just personal to you? Or is it about inviting other people into that same union with Christ? These are the things that came to me. So as you go on, who are the, um, let's go on to eight here. So then saith he to his servants, this wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid to the marriage. Salvation, right? So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. Praise God. And the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came to see his guests, he saw there a man which had not owned a wedding garment. That's kind of important because in Jewish history, that garment would have been provided. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Do you become speechless sometimes when somebody asks you why the seats are empty and why you may not be doing your part? I do. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him hand and fist and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. Narrow is that path, right? So let's talk a little bit about that. Who are the bidden guests here? The great Bible scholars tell us that they're the people of Israel, the chosen people. I always struggle with that. Anybody ever struggle with that? Well, if they're the chosen people, maybe I'm not. Well, guess what, folks? You might want to jump up and scream and shout here because this in just a minute is going to tell you actually, maybe perhaps we are the chosen people. That's beautiful, right? All these years. So who are the, all right, so thank you. So who are the bidden guests or the people of Israel? What about that highways that you read about there? The Bible scholars Tell us, that's the Gentiles, you, me, the non-Jewish people. What's this wedding garment he's talking about here? Does anybody know? I remember I told you this usually supplied by the host. That wedding garment is a robe of righteousness. Robe of righteousness. Wow. Isn't it amazing how something centuries old can still speak to you, to me? So if anybody tells you that this nation was not built on biblical principles and that the Bible doesn't apply, and we need to change it for whatever matters to you at the present time. I beg to differ. So what happens? This pretty much tells you here. You ever wondered what happens to me if I choose not to wear this robe of righteousness? What does it say? Where are you going? What's the purpose of your life? This is really, this is it. You know, what's the purpose of your life right here? What is it? Do you want to live a life where at the end of it all, you're cast into utter darkness where there is wailing and gnashing of teeth? Or do you want to put on a robe of righteousness, share it with everyone you can, help them to experience every day you experience it? Pastor has a great commission. And for 40 some odd years has done it as his father did. And heavenly Moses, what a responsibility. What a burden. What a, I mean, not a, maybe that's not the right word, but what a, a tremendous responsibility. Well, here's the secret, folks. You share that responsibility. And that's pretty much, to me, 
My inspiration for this was that, and, and believe me, I'm not speaking to you. As everything I'm saying to you, I am saying absolutely to this hollow, empty shell of a man here. So as we go on down, I, I stopped here, and as I was thinking on this and praying and meditating on this, another scripture came to me. And it was John 14, verse 6, where it said, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know who he was speaking to when he said that? Thomas. <laughs> Doubting Thomas. You have any doubts? Yes, we all have, right? That's ironic to me. He said that to Thomas. So we'll move on to 15. In the interest of brevity, I'll be brief, right? We'll all beat the Baptist to the restaurant. Okay. So we're all familiar with this. Uh, it's called God and Caesar, if you look at it. Then went to the Pharisees and took counsel how they might entangle him in his talk. And they sent out unto him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Master, we know that thou art true and teachest the way of God in truth. Neither carest thou for any man, for thou regardest not the person of men. You preached on that not long ago. Just drips with just sarcasm, doesn't it? I mean, they have their, these people are, they're just doing everything they can to hurt him. And I'll talk a little bit about who the Herodians and Pharisees and all those are. So tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Jesus perceived their wickedness, as he often does, right? Said, why tempt ye me, ye hypocrite? Isn't it amazing that the Sadducees were often referred to as hypocrite? That just kicks, what, kicks the bark right off your shins? Know what, know what you say? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he said unto them, whose is this image and, and superscription? They say unto him, Caesar's, then saith he unto them, Well, render then therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things that are God's. Now that's kicking the bark off your shins. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. So who were the Pharisees? They were Jewish religious party, often referred to as separatists. They, they adhered to the oral law God gave to Moses. They believed in an afterlife, and they believed in a Messiah. They just did simply believe Jesus was him. There's the heart of the matter for us too, right? Is he the Messiah? He is. So who are the Herodians? They cared little or nothing about religion at all, and they generally hated the Pharisees. So you got the Herodians and the Pharisees, I guess that Arab proverb, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Here they are, they're both ganging up on Christ. Again, remember I said when I started this thing that this was all about a trial. Christ was on trial. Christianity was on trial. Your salvation was on trial. That's profound. Now the Sadducees, they rejected the oral law. They insisted on a literal interpretation of the written law. They did not believe in an afterlife. They focused on rituals associated with the Jewish temple. How many times has pastor told us, man, stop getting bogged down in this. You don't have to pray a certain way. There is no, there is no right way. God is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It goes back. So the same day came to him the Sadducees, which they that say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, if a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. 
Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of all, the woman died also. Therefore in the resurrection, whose wife shall, be, shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they, sh they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but as the angels of God in heaven. But as touching the resurrection of the dead, hear ye not, have ye not read? I don't have my cheaters, I'm sorry, I'm old. Have you not read that which was spoken unto you by God, saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living. Wow. And when the multitude heard this, they were astonished at his doctrine. Well, that leads us right to that great commandment that I spoke to you in the beginning. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had just put the Sadducees to silence, they kicked the bark right off their skin. They gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Every time you say, touch your neighbor and say something, I think of that. Every time. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So look around you. There are many divisions in our nation. There are divisions in ourselves. There are divisions in our church. These divisions are tests, I believe. And I can assure you God is watching. The last thing that came to me, and I, I haven't tied all this as well as I know because I know we have we have other great speakers, and thank you, Pastor, by the way, for bringing in a ringer to bail us out at the, at the end of this. I want to share Mark 3, 23 through 25 with you before I leave you. And he called unto him and said unto them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. As I said before, the inspiration for my message, and I believe the purpose of this message, I know for me personally, through Christ, was to remind me that Christ was constantly on trial, just as you and I are each and every day. I love that song. It says, be careful what your little ears hear in you. We are, on, we are on trial. And that is important. Our lives are important. Our behaviors are important. Our words are important. Reaching out to someone is important. Filling these seats is important because every seat represents someone somewhere that may not be receiving the salvation. Wearing that cloak of righteousness that we spoke about in this Wow. So how do you handle that? There are some people in this audience who have handled unbelievable things. Facing mortality. Addictions. The loss of someone you love. The loss of a job. Empty seats in this church. Not enough money. How do we handle that? Personally, 
and as a church financially, I truly believe that if you Lord, love the Lord thy God with all of thy heart, with all of thy soul, with all of thy mind, and you love each other as Christ has loved you, I truly believe our actions and the things we do and say, they may not be a panacea, but it's certainly a good start. Amen. Thank you. Ministry should be taking place by Christians. This ministry should be taking place at church, but also can take place at school, at the grocery store, in a restaurant, and even in the workplace. My desire to work with children with special needs began when I was in high school. I had the opportunity to assist in the special education classroom and thoroughly enjoyed it. I can reflect back on memories of a classmate named Toby, who was very friendly, sometimes would get upset, and at times had difficulty controlling his emotions. I didn't know then, but I know now that Toby had autism. I am blessed to be a teacher because it is a job that touches all professions. Over the past 24 years, I have had the opportunity to see former students finish high school, go to college, get a job, and most importantly, become law-abiding citizens. But with all the joy, there have been moments of disappointment and sadness, like having a former student serving a life sentence at Ventress Correctional Center for murdering someone, and having a former student caught in crossfire at Norwood Homes here in Anniston and getting killed on August 16, 2011 at 17 years old. We all face challenges, and there are challenges for teachers, parents, and students. One challenge for teachers is that we do more, or I do so much more than just teach. Some of our do additional duties are, you are a mother or a father to a child that needs a hug. You are a doctor to an injured child. You are a cheerleader to a child in need of encouragement. In Psalms 46 and 1, it states, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You are a counselor to a child who is de depressed and downtrodden. 1 John 5 and 4, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. You are a mediator to children who are having a disagreement. In 1 Timothy 2 and 5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. You are a friend to a child who thinks no one likes them. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. You are an advocate to a child in need of a second chance. You are a bank teller to a child who needs money for food snacks, or supplies. You are a beautician to a child who needs assistance with their hair. But most of all, you are a prayer warrior because we are all standing 
in the need of prayer. I never thought I would see the day where shootings would take place at schools and some school systems would be granting permission for some employees to carry weapons. Psalms 121, 1 and 2, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. There are also some challenges of parents. On our parenting journey, we all make mistakes. Proverbs 22 and 6 reads, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. I believe that most parents' intentions or to insist their child with being successful. Common core math, some of you may have heard about it, can be challenging for parents because it, because it is not the way we were taught. Sometimes it is difficult to admit that you don't know. We know that three times six equals 18. But you have to go over the river and through the woods to get the answer now. It causes frustration for parents when they know the answer but can't follow the process. There were times when Darius was younger when I had a PTO meeting and got home later than normal. Darius would have all of his homework done but math. When I arrived home, Darius would tell me, Daddy said, you have to help me with math. <laughs> At the beginning of this school year, I had to admit I needed help. Darius is taking geometry. I did take geometry in high school, but the thought of having to try to retrieve the relative position of figures and properties of space petrified me. I put a posting on Facebook in search of a geometry tutor. In my posting, I put this number sentence, me plus geometry equals very scary. <laughs> Thankfully, Darius has done well in geometry. He did not need a tutor, and thank goodness he hasn't needed his mama's help. Secondly, a challenge for parents is the hustle and bustle of everyday life. It is important that as parents, we ask our children every day about their day. I know this past week that Darius dissected a worm, is reading Romeo and Juliet, did not get his progress report because his teacher was at a track meet and rode a different bus home on Friday. <laughs> we must show interest and make ourselves known and visible to administrators and teachers. We want you to come to the school, we really do, but spare your child and the teachers by leaving your house shoes, pajama pants, poorly fitting clothing, and sand bunny at home. <laughs> Lastly, there are some challenges for students. Striving to be accepted by others 
We sometimes tell children, words don't hurt, but words do hurt and the tongue is powerful. The majority of us want to be liked and it is very hurtful not to be accepted. It saddened me to learn that on April 18th, Nigel Shelby, a 15-year-old student who attended Huntsville High School, committed suicide. Nigel was a target of bullying because he was different and he was not accepted by some of his peers. Nigel did tell his mom that he was being bullied, but she did not think it was that bad. If our children express they are hurting, we must be proactive and investigate it. Yes, we may be called a helicopter parent. I would rather be called a helicopter parent and help a child than be nonchalant and not do anything at all. If you see warning signs that your child or a child you know is hurting, act upon your intuition. It takes a village and we all must be supportive of one another. Thank all of you for this opportunity and I hope each of you have an enjoyable day. But I was in Sunday school and my buddy Jerry, he was like, hey, you nervous? I said, yeah, I'm scared. And that, <laughs> what I told him, I said, I'm as scared as a chicken in his coop backed up in the corner and a weasel staring at him and got nowhere to go. <laughs> so if it comes out stuttering or sounding like a chicken clucking, then just bear with me. It'll, it'll clear up maybe. Well, uh, about... Uh, I've learned how to listen to God through these past three years that I've been coming to Harvest. And I've learned more these past three years than I have the rest of my life. But, but about three or four weeks ago, you know, I got my little debut out. I was on my way from Anniston to Southside. I cried all the way. It was put on my heart. I messaged Don as soon as I stopped crying and asked him, you know, I, I want to try to, you know, share this with my church family. At one point, you know, I had all the Eastern stuff, so we waited and got it. But everything that's happened today with the, the baby's devotion, our dedication, the other speakers, it all ties in. So it, it validates everything that was put on me while I'm, while I'm speaking about this. All these pastors, it, they do a great job. Don posted it on Facebook, and then he breaks down, you know, the scripture. Jerry does the same up here on the stage. There's a lot of people, you know, just starting their journey in faith that don't have, you know, it's hard for them to understand every step-by-step step in a scripture and understand it. But it's all based off of, you know, God's love. I got a little note, so I got to <laughs> glance down. So maybe, maybe what I share today will help people with the, you know, struggle with understanding God's love for you and help jumpstart you, you know, in the right direction. And then some of the people that get, you know, laxed in, you know, our everyday, you know, routine, going to church, you know, just because it's this way, this way, this way, you know, maybe it help, you know, help those out too. But uh, we're going to play a video in just a minute, a short video. And, uh, but I'm going to ask, the, you know, a couple questions, three or four questions before we start it. But remember those after the video. Uh, how many people in here have children? Just by raising hands. I'm sorry, I forgot that part. <laughs> All right. 
How many of you just have a child? Just one child. How many of you through prayer, modern medicine, or adoption had to try really, really hard to have that one child? All right. I'm gathering myself. I'm going to lead you into the video because it's, it's kind of long, but we got the short version, so I'm going to kind of lead you into where it starts. Some of you may have saw it or saw it on Facebook. So it's John 3.16, the greatest love of all. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This, this video starts out, it's, it's about a father and his son. Now, these two love each other more than anything. I mean anything. You know, the father on his way to work sometimes, he'll stop and pick his son up from work to take him with him because they love to be together so much. This child is, he's not a typical child. He's special. He looks at people. He knows when they're hurting he knows when they need something. He knows when they need a prayer. He just sent, he has senses that that's beyond you know our comprehension. A lot of the time, he'll ask his dad or tell his dad. He said, "Dad, I want to do something great with my life. I want to I want to be help for people. I want, you know there's nothing more. I just want to do something great." And his dad confirms. And tells him, hey, son, you will do great. You'll do things that people will not understand. Now, this father's job, he operates like a drawbridge, I guess you'd call it. But he raises it to uh, let boats through. And then he'll let it down to let a train go through. Now, uh, he's got a, there's a light that tells him. When a train's coming, when he's got to have that, the train's got, the bridge has got to be down when that train is coming. And he has to communicate with the boat, I guess captains or whatever they are, and let them know when they can approach and when they can't, or if he can let it up. Well, he has one approaching, well, he, lets the, he lets the bridge up. And uh, like I said, there's a light. There's always a light there. But in life, there's always a train coming, too. You know, as he worked and made sure everything was good for that bridge to operate right, protect people, his son, he lets his son fish. But he lets him fish in a spot to where he can only see him. He keeps one eye on his work, but he keeps that other eye on that boy. He keeps one eye on the world and he keeps one eye on his children now he's going to play the the video there was a boat coming in the harbor timing is very essential i'll go ahead and give you the key the key is this there's always a light everybody say light say it again one more time there's a light that the train conductor needs to see. If that light is green, he can go. If it's red, he must stop. You see, God has given us road signs in our life that we must read. Lines that tell us to go and lines that tell us to stop. Whether we read those and believe them or not is up to us. That's why some of you have fallen and you cannot get up. But tonight, that's why I'm here. The boat needed to come through, so he called, and the man said, okay, I got time. It's a long time before the train should come. So he pulls the lever, as you just saw, and the big, big, huge stone steel bridge, the gears started turning. They started cranking the steam. All of a sudden, gears are moving, and that big, huge bridge is just starting to go up. As it rises higher and higher, he has to watch and make sure everything's set, everything's good, everything's fine. As he looks out the window, he can see everything, but the dad, being a good dad, 
keeps one eye on his work, but the other eye on his baby. One eye on the world, but the other eye on his children. You think God doesn't know where you are? He keeps one eye on his world and one eye on his child. No matter what you've done or where you've been, it's one eye on the world, but the other eye's on you. He's watched you and he's kept you. Even though your train is coming down the track, he understands that. And even though sometimes, I don't know, I'm going to get ahead of myself. See the red light? He didn't see it. So many times we don't see the red light. See, to just say the train was early. The boy can hear and see the steam. And he looks and says, Daddy, the train. Daddy, Daddy, the train's early. Daddy, you got a daddy. Hey, Daddy, 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 the train. Daddy, the train's coming. But the dad was looking at the gears, making sure he had enough oil, making sure there was enough steam to get the bridge back down for the train. And the boy, the boy knew one thing. Now listen, the boy knew that his dad one time showed him where the trigger was. It was a red lever. If he pulls it, the train bridge would collapse down fast and the train would be able to come across. All the boy knew was there were people on that train. There were people that needed to be saved. There were people that had, some of them just with their friends having a good time. Like everything's fine. They did not know that the bridge was up. They did not know what was coming. They're just living their life like you and me. Just going down the road. Just being our own thing. Doing our own thing. And the dad all of a sudden hears the train coming. He looks and then he says, oh my son. He looks down and his boy's gone. He's like, oh my God, where's my son? Where's my son? He got to figure out. He looks back just in time to see his son trying to save the day. All he had to do was pull that lever. He reaches in to pull it and the boy pulls too far and he falls in the hole. Now it's on the father and God the father. Did you hear me? God the father has to make a choice. It's his now. Do I save my son or do I save the world? But they don't even know. They don't even know. The greatest decision of his life. He can blame it on them not seeing the red light. He can blame it doesn't matter anymore. Pull the lever, save the world. Leave it up, save your son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Whosoever leaves in him train goes by it's fine everything's cool the bridge is down just like always it's always going to be down are you hearing me tonight he gave his only son for God so loved the world that he gave and you know what's amazing I wonder what God did right when his son died on that cross when he breathed his last breath when he took that first and he breathed and it was over here's what the father would have looked like they didn't even know just trying to think of their life just trying to figure out what they're going to do next just thinking about the person they're going to see the people they're going to hang out with just trying to be, just loving, caring. Doesn't matter if you're blind. Doesn't matter if you're putting on a little more makeup, trying to look pretty for somebody, or just wearing another mask. It doesn't matter. God gave his son for you. What will I do when I grow up? Where will I go when I grow up? What will I have changed? And there was a girl in the bathroom on the train, liquefying her heroin to shoot up one more time. He died for her. He died for her. But in one moment, are you listening? In one moment, it's the Bible says everybody gets a chance. In one moment, to see the look of the Father when He knows what He, when you realize what He did for you, when you realize the sacrifice, when you realize He let His Son die so that 
can live. When you realize what he did, no matter what you're doing, no matter where you're at in this life, no matter what you're a part of, you gotta stop. You gotta stop. Even if it's for one second and think, my God, he did it for me. And I pray to God you drop what you're doing. Drop what you're doing. I realize every every day how much that sacrifice means and what he did for me. There's I did a, a little there's three hundred and twenty nine million people at you know average maybe you know estimate I say people in the US 181 million don't go to church and have never been to church or have never been to church I mean that's a problem now all the questions that I asked before that video I got I got one more question I'll tell you my answer before I even ask you yours. Before I even ask you the question. I absolutely, I would not, I could not do it. I just couldn't. All you that have the children, the child, the ones that tried real hard, and the people that have lost a child or lost multiple childs, children <laughs> how many of you would let that child die for a bunch of sinners I mean my two's over there there's no way so in closing I guess uh, that's exactly what he did for us he let his son die for a bunch of sinners. He let his only perfect child die. If that isn't love, I don't know what is. That's all. I appreciate it. For I didn't.